0: So this is Father's Day, Happy Father's Day. And today you'll be seeing men walking around with these hats that say, World's Greatest Dad. Well, I have a couple too, but they're not quite as pretentious. Uh, this one says, World's Greatest Dad, Semi-Finalist. And this says, World's Greatest Dad, Honorable Mention. So depending on the year I've had, I. passages and acts and some of the the letters he wrote that uh, relate to his experiences in prison, some of the hardest times of his life. And today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. And this series is entitled Limitless, because severe limits very important to us. And we just pray that the momentum will continue as uh, we can increase the opportunities of making these Sundays more like what they really should be, what they were before the pandemic. And uh, we thank you so much for what you've done in in our lives this past year. It was a hard year, but You've done significant things in each of our lives, and so we're thankful for that. And it'll take a while to really understand what all of that was and how that has changed us for the future. So once again this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you speak to us through it. These are the words of life, and they did never return to you void. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in these past weeks, we've been hearing good news. Based on the latest numbers, the pandemic seems to be finally winding down and life is returning to normal, or at least normal-ish, except for some lingering lingering collateral damage. Because as the medical crisis is ending, the mental consequences are just beginning to manifest themselves. We've lived through many months of intense stress and even distress, and that always takes a toll on our mental health. Psychologists report a significant increase in patients who are struggling to feel energized. They can't seem to get motivated, there's no focus, they feel stuck. After a year of idling in neutral, it's hard to find a gear. And one of the terms that best describes our current condition is the word languishing. Many people talk about that. Instead of thriving, they feel like they're languishing. And we know this has taken a, quite a significant effect on our relationships. The divorce rates are up. And there's all kinds of interpersonal problems that have resulted. Lori Ferguson, Ph.D., says the key is to pay attention to where you feel little sparks, and then lean into that. That's her advice. But then again, when there's sparks, you might want to turn off the main breaker and call an electrician. After decades of observation and analysis, I have concluded that the secular mindset has very little to offer those who are struggling with life circumstances. The world can show you how to be a success, but they don't have a lot to offer in terms of how to suffer. And that's why to address some of these current events, we've been taking a biblical perspective and we've been looking at a man who faced overwhelming opposition for many years and yet became an overcomer because of his faith in Christ Jesus. And you too have not been overcome by this pandemic. You too have overcome because of Jesus. So we've been studying three of the most difficult times in the life of the Apostle Paul. His imprisonment in Greece, in Jerusalem, and now in Rome. And really our troubles are rather mild compared to the injustice and mistreatment that Paul experienced. But he never got discouraged or depressed. And he certainly wasn't languishing. He was motivated. In fact, when life was at its worst, Paul was at his best. And that's especially evident in a letter that he wrote from a Roman dungeon to the church at Philippi. And so we're gonna look at one excerpt from chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses four to 13. Paul had been falsely accused He'd been brutally attacked, he'd been wrongfully imprisoned, and now he was even facing the possibility of execution. So if I would have written an email in those circumstances, I would have said, help, get me out of here. Take up a collection, hire a lawyer, hire two lawyers. Send in a squad of mercenaries, an extraction team. At the very least, I would have complained about the injustice that I had endured. I would have detailed how my human rights had been violated, how my religious liberty was denied, how my free speech was cancelled. I've been slandered, libeled. They've used words that you don't find in the Bible. Paul certainly could have done a lot of complaining. Instead. He concludes his letter by saying this, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now I can rejoice in the Lord. I've had a really, really good week. And when I look out there today, the congregation, I can rejoice in the Lord about that. But can I rejoice in the Lord always Paul how is this possible what about the beatings what about the shipwrecks what about that death squad I mean there were 40 men who had taken an oath that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul and that was many months ago whatever happened to them dust to dust ashes to ashes Paul, you've been in danger from bandits, from the Gentiles, from your own countrymen, from false brothers. You've been in danger in the city and in the country and at sea. You were stoned and you've been exposed to death again and again. Are you sure you want to say rejoice in the Lord always? At one of the worst moments of his life, Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Always, And if you didn't hear me the first time, let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord, and that's my final answer. You see, all of the trials and tribulations Paul faced did not diminish his joy in Christ, his joy in the inheritance he had in Jesus, which included every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, every good and perfect gift, This was an inheritance that could not spoil or perish or fade. That's why Paul's greatest troubles could not exhaust God's sufficient grace. You see, God was able to make all grace abound to him, so that in all things, at all times, having all that he needed, he will abound in every good work, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and that applies to us as well. God's grace makes that possible. Possible to have all things at all times. All that we need. So we will abound in every good work. That is what you call living a life without limits. There's no limitations on that. In John 16, Jesus said, In this world, you will have trouble. Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord. What is your current status? Are you in the world or are you in the Lord? That's why we're not laying up treasures on earth because the world and its desires pass away. That's a bad investment. Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos will eventually lose it all, just like Felix. That's why we're laying up treasures in heaven. The Bible says that's where moth and rust do not destroy. And that's where hackers cannot break through the firewall and steal. We need to make sure that we have treasures in heaven because wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. Because Paul's heart was in the right place, he could rejoice in the Lord always. The GPS coordinates indicated that Paul was in Rome, in a dungeon, but he was also in Christ. And that's what made the difference. You always have to factor that in, in all of your circumstances. Verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's amazing, because in that dungeon, Paul was not feeling sorry for himself, He was not complaining about how he was being mistreated. He was not threatening his guards. You're going to be sorry for this. God's going to get you. Instead, Paul was gentle and kind. That was his priority. And that gentleness had a life-changing impact. You see, he was chained to Praetorian guards in six to eight-hour shifts. These were the sons of the Romans, or Rome's generals and senators. So these were the future leaders of the empire. Talk about a captive audience. Can you imagine talking to Paul for six hours and not getting saved? And his message was reinforced by his attitude. The gospel is good news, but it's not going to convince anyone if you're Oscar the Grouch. Paul's attitude of joy and gentleness opened many hardened hearts to the gospel. That's why when he finishes the letter later in that chapter, in verse 21, he says, Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. What? There were saints in Caesar's household. How did they get in there? Well, they came through Paul's jail cells. The kingdom of God was taking over the Roman Empire and Caesar had no idea what was happening. Wow, this is powerful stuff. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Notice those two words. Anything and everything. Do not be anxious about anything. So how many times have you been anxious during this pandemic? Less than six? Six? Or more than 60. Of course, anxiety is a very logical response to a global health crisis. But according to the Bible, it's not necessary because there are other options. There are other options to anxiety. John 14.1, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's options. You can only pick one. You can't do both. If you're troubled, you can't possibly trust. But if you trust, you're not going to be troubled. Are you aware of your options? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, now when the Bible says everything I think that probably includes up to 92% of the things that happen to us. Cuz there's always, you know, a few that are just a little bit over the top. It's like buying house insurance. You know, when you look at a house insurance policy, I don't want to know what the policy covers. I want to know what doesn't it cover. So when paul says everything what does he mean what doesn't it cover well when paul says everything it means exactly that everything everything that happened in 2020 and everything that will happen in 2021 in everything do not be anxious about anything but in everything By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you add up everything in your life, you'll notice there's a lot of things to pray for. In fact, what happens to me is when I start praying about my problems, I often feel worse afterwards than I did when I started, because I didn't even realize how many problems I had until I started praying about them. Count your burdens, name them one by one. And it will surprise you that you haven't had a nervous breakdown yet. Thanks for reminding me. So I guess what we need to do is to feel those, uh, those little sparks and then just kind of lean into them. But that could result in heat blisters. Maybe there's something much better not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This verse is like Sesame Street, because one of these things is not like the others. You've seen that on Sesame Street all the time. For example, let's say there's uh, four pictures of Stanley Cups that were won in 1987, 88, 89, and 90. Well, it's obvious. One of these is not like the others, right? One of these is really, really special, and the others are won by a team that shall remain nameless. You can ask Jeff about that. He'll explain it to you. One of these things is not like the others. Or maybe you could have four pictures. There's an accordion, there's a referee's whistle, there's there's some bagpipes, and then there's a grand piano. Again, it's obvious. One is a legitimate musical instrument. The other three, not so much. That's what's happening in this verse because you've got four words, prayer, petition, request, and then thanksgiving. That's that's quite different because I can pray, I can petition, and I can request and end up depressed But if I add thanksgiving to that, that is a game changer. Because if I'm grateful, it's impossible to be depressed. Gratitude does not allow that option. Paul had a lot to pray about in that Roman dungeon. But he did so with thanksgiving. And above all, he was grateful that. Iron bars and chains could not prevent the gospel from changing lives. He had opportunities here he never would have had if he was a tourist, wandering the streets, seeing the sights of the imperial city. Over there is a fountain to your right. To your left, there is another fountain. And if we keep going, we're going to see an even bigger fountain. While Paul was in jail, he didn't see any fountains. But something far more important was happening. I'm so grateful that Paul was in jail. Otherwise, he probably would have been traveling all over Europe starting churches, which is not a bad thing. But maybe he wouldn't have had time to write those letters that he composed in prison that we have now in the New Testament. Can you imagine having a Bible without the book of Philippians? Because Paul never had time to get around to writing that letter. I mean, we would have missed so much good stuff. Like every knee will bow and every tongue confess. It's hard to imagine the Bible without Philippians. These are the words that have enriched us beyond measure and transformed our lives. I'm so glad the Bible isn't like Netflix, where Philippians will only be available until June 30th, 2021. Oh no, it's not there anymore. It's been replaced by some guy called Aristotle. Oh, thank God for Philippians, which is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And as Paul did that, he began to see the opportunities the Holy Spirit was giving him in extreme lockdown to start changing the entire Roman Empire. It's amazing what happens when we can look at life with gratitude will notice things we've never seen before. You see, in this life, there's always something. Ron Hutchcraft says it like this, God leads us in such a way that there's always something. There's always something to thank Him for and always something to trust Him for. Those two realities coexist. And gratitude is the key. It's the key to mental health. And for that, you don't need a prescription. In fact, gratitude is both fast-acting and long-lasting. Introduce gratitude into any situation, and it changes everything. For example, watch how it works. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. How often do we need that? It's so easy to to have an anxiety attack. It's so easy to panic, because there's things that happen that we cannot anticipate, and they seem rather overwhelming. But when you pray with gratitude, you're not going to be struggling with an anxiety attack because you will experience the opposite, which is peace. The kind that mental health professionals cannot account for because this peace passes understanding. It doesn't make any sense. You know, when this pandemic started, we were in Florida, and we heard that Disney was closing their theme parks. And we heard it might be very difficult to get a flight out of the country. And it was panic time for a lot of people. And Edie, thankfully, got us an earlier flight. And then we had a walk through one of the busiest airports in North America. All these people, almost none of them wearing masks. There was a lot of opportunity for anxiety or even panic. But it it was right there that I decided that in this situation I was going to try to experience this peace that passes understanding. Because otherwise our imagination gets out of control. Oh, somebody coughed. Oh, I'm, I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. I can feel the effects. Oh, that person was too close. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I simply decided that instead of that stress and anxiety, I wanted the peace of God. And I must say, I've never had a year in my entire life where I've experienced God's peace more. It's basically just lasted the whole time. And it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when you're watching the evening news doesn't make sense when you see the numbers it just passes understanding you know when you're sitting on a beach or on a hillside or even in your backyard it's so peaceful because that's the peace that's comprehensible we can comprehend it we can figure it out but when you're sitting in the principal's office or in a hospital waiting room or a roman jail cell and if you experience peace there, that's incomprehensible. It is, it's encrypted. It, it transcends all understanding. It's just not justified by your circumstances. It, it doesn't happen with the permission of your emotions. See, gratitude is both fast-acting and long-lasting. The immediate effect is a peace that transcends your understanding. The long-term effect is in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's why you watch the evening news, right? Because it's so encouraging. It's filled with things that are noble and lovely and excellent and admirable. Well, not exactly. This is what the Word of God is all about. These, things, these words describe God's promises. And notice the phrase, whatever. You know, we think that millennials invented that phrase. Whatever. They didn't. Paul has the copyright. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. See, gratitude needs to become a habit, which is reinforced daily. That's why verse 8 tells us how to turn that into a habit. That's why I keep a journal where I write down the blessings that I'm grateful for. I've been doing that for almost 50 years. And it's exciting. It's a habit. And I can't live without that. And that's why Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, because that had become a habit. He could do it. So here you go whatever's true noble right pure lovely compare this to what the world offers us the world offers us whatever is trendy but in the kingdom of god we're offered whatever is true the world offers us whatever is naughty but the kingdom offers us whatever is noble the world offers us whatever is right now the kingdom offers us whatever is right The world offers us so many fatal attractions. The kingdom offers us whatever is pure and lovely. The world offers us whatever is popular. The kingdom offers us whatever is admirable. The world offers us whatever is entertaining. The kingdom offers us whatever is excellent. The world offers us 900 likes. The kingdom offers us. Whatever is praiseworthy. So here's an assignment: this summer, read the Psalms, or maybe the Gospels, or one of Paul, or Paul's letters. And the challenge is: how long will it take you to find a hundred things to be grateful for? How about a thousand things? To be grateful for you do that and it's going to change your life you will never ever be the same in verse 9 paul says whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the god of peace will be with you put into practice it's all about developing healthy habits because then you can take them with you wherever you go that's why Paul says in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Have you learned that? Boy, I have, I have trouble with that. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. There's that word again, every. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul had developed habits of joy and gratefulness and gentleness and peace, and he brought them into every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's the secret of contentment. When you have joy and peace, you're content. I think we waste too much time wishing our life was different. I can't get no satisfaction. And so we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. This contentment is a pandemic for which there is no vaccine, but there is a cure. Verse 13, Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There's that word again, everything. No limits. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. For Paul, it was all about Jesus. His joy was in Christ. His contentment was in the Lord's presence. And he was grateful for what Christ meant to him. He says in a previous chapter, chapter 3, verse 8. For the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul, come on, Paul. Don't be so vague. Tell us what you really think about Jesus. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And so that's why Paul experienced a life without limits. Even in extreme lockdown in a Roman dungeon, he had opportunities to introduce the gospel into Caesar's household. And he had time to write letters to the churches, letters which comprise a significant part of the New Testament. And they have been the words of life for that generation and for the next generation, and for hundreds of millions to read and rejoice for 2,000 years and counting. Even in a Roman dungeon, Paul was limitless. And just like Paul, we can also say that we can do everything through him who gives us strength. Always, in anything and everything. Lord, we thank you so much that you gave Paul the opportunity through the most difficult circumstances of his life to experience the joy and the gratitude that's possible through Christ. Thank you that his life clearly shows us the option. We don't have to give in to anxiety, We don't have to panic because peace is available. And Lord, I pray going ahead, especially that we will take advantage of what you offer us in Christ. We live in this world and in this world, a lot of things are going wrong. In this world, there's a lot of trouble. But in Christ, in Christ, we have peace and we have joy. And so we have so much to be grateful for. And for the rest of it, we can trust you for. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.